Warren Buffett, BlackRock, and other institutional players dominate investments in commercial aviation. Why? Because it's one of the most profitable and predictable alternative assets that exists. And it's not tied to other markets such as real estate and the stock market. Is it safe? Well, imagine triple net leases to the likes of American Airlines and British Airways. Income is contractual and guaranteed by some of the biggest named airlines in the world. That's why this kind of investment was never available to the ordinary accredited investor. That is until now. Visit accesswealthaviation.com and check it out for yourself. Invest in an institutional team with over 200 plus years of combined investment experience in the aviation sector. Conservative investing with double digit returns and tax advantages. That's accesswealthaviation.com. Accesswealthaviation.com. You are listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast with Buck Joffrey. Get ready to change your life. Welcome, everybody. This is Buck Joffrey with the Wealth Formula Podcast. I want to start out by directing you to wealthformula.com where you can download a copy of my Amazon bestseller, Seven Secrets of Eternal Wealth. You can get that on the website for free as a PDF, or of course, you could go to Amazon and pay me if you want. That's up to you. But if you simply go to wealthformula.com, you can download that PDF for free, or you can also text me at 44222, type in Wealth Formula, one word, and you can get a copy of that book as well. The bottom line is, either way, get on my list, either by going to the website or texting 44222 Wealth Formula. And the reason I tell you to do that is because you are only getting about 50% of the content I'm putting out. So if you like what I'm doing, get on those lists and get all the rest of the perks of the Wealth Formula Nation. Now, as many of you know, I will be leaving Chicago in August to move to sunny Santa Barbara, California. And that's where for the last five years, my family has gone to the same beach house every August. And it always ends up being the best couple weeks of the year. So last year in August, they did a podcast from that beach and I called it what is your dream and why aren't you living it? It was episode number 14. I was sort of in an aspirational mood. You know, we were having a great time. My little girls who are eight, four and two now, uh, it was a year ago. So they were playing on the beach and were eating great Mexican food every night, falling asleep to the sound of the Pacific Ocean. And at one point on the trip, I told my wife, you know, it's time, you know, it's time to stop making this a vacation that we look forward to every year and to start making it our everyday life. And so she turned to me and she says, can we do that? And I said, well, of course we can. We can do anything we want to do. Well, of course, what she meant was, could we do it financially? After all, all my businesses were in Chicago for the most part. And I still went into the office two or three times per week. So it was actually a very logical question and one that I think most people would ask. But in typical buck form, I just made the decision and decided to worry about the details later. Now, of course, that may sound a little crazy to many of you, maybe even downright irresponsible, right? I mean, how can you just make a decision to move across the country before having a clear plan on how to get there? Well, I would actually argue that the way I went about things was the right way to do it. I mean, if you decide to go someplace on vacation, for example, what do you do first? Do you figure out where you want to end up or do you start the process by looking for airline tickets? Well, obviously, you got to know where you want to go before you look into how to get there. 
Well, similarly, I had just decided that we were going to move and I had a year to figure out how to make it happen. So the podcast I did was mid-August last year, the one I was talking about, and we will be moving next month in exactly one year from the date of that podcast that I recorded. You see, most of the limitations we see in our lives aren't real. We make them up for ourselves, and then we believe them. It's a terrible problem that most people have to some degree, and the problem is that if not recognized, these artificial limitations can keep us from meeting our potential or simply being happy. And there's no one else who knows this better than my guest on Well Formula Podcast today, Dean Graziosi, and he is a truly rags-to-riches story, and he's one of the most inspiring people I've ever met. So when we come back, Dean Graziosi. What do the Rothschilds, the Romneys, and the billionaire hedge fund managers know that you don't about growing and protecting wealth? As you might imagine, the wealthy have a few tricks up their sleeves. One strategy allows you to grow wealth tax-free at a compounding rate with no volatility. It protects your money from creditors and lawsuits, and it lets you invest the same money in two different places at the same time. How about that for amplifying wealth? To learn more, go to WealthFormulaBanking.com. Again, that's WealthFormulaBanking.com. My guest today is Dean Graziosi. Dean is a guy who knows how to create success. From an extremely humble beginnings, Dean had a lot of success. I mean, he started out, you know, in high school with a firewood business, graduated up to a collision repair shop, and finally into real estate before the age of 20. And from there, he went on to create multi-million dollar real estate businesses, became a multiple New York Times bestselling author, and has a brand and business that have generated nearly a billion dollars in revenue. Dean, thanks so much for being on the show today. Awesome to be here. So, Dean, you know, you're obviously a well-known guy, but, you know, for those of us who spent the last 20 years in school and residency and so forth who don't know about you, can you give us a little bit of sense of, you know, who you are and where you came from? Yeah, you know, I'll do this as quick as I can because, you know, if we're going to spend the time today, I appreciate the invite. Everybody listening, I just want to say we're kindred spirits is the easiest word to use because I'm always absorbing knowledge. I'm always looking yeah. for a competitive edge. I'm always looking for someone else's path. You know, they fell through the mud and got beat up to find the fastest way to the end result. Right. And, uh, and so I commend everybody listening because one of the greatest things about listening to podcasts, going to events, getting courses, getting training is take what serves you, even from what we're going to talk about today. Take what serves you and implement it into your life immediately and then to throw the rest away. You can't do all of it. You can't listen to every podcast, go to every live event and take it all in and do all you get overwhelmed. So I'd recommend to everybody listening, just listen for those golden nuggets, throw the rest away and go out and put them in your life. So for me, just real quick, you know, everybody has a different path. And I wasn't the school type. I had dyslexia. I struggled throughout school. My parents were married nine times. My mom, five. Dad, four. I moved 20 times by the time I was 18. So I always felt insecure. wasn't that smart. We didn't have money. I, I literally lived in a bathroom with my dad one time for almost a year. And I just thought, you know, hey, that's the lot in life I was given. And I was hoping someday to be a blue collar guy that made a thousand bucks a week, you know, and I was lucky enough to get new goals, to get new dreams, to see that people that were more successful had, from at least my eyes, different things in common. I, I have to be honest, in school, I was, I think, hey, if I can't go to college, if I don't have the money for college, I'm not that smart, I'll never be able to do well. And I realized 
college, no college, money or no money, high IQ, low IQ, really at the end of the day, the people that are the wealthiest, and I say wealthy as in money, but also happiness and joy and freedom and, and living true purpose, they don't have anything in common when it comes to those things, the degree, the pedigree, any of that. But what they do have in common is certain habits and certain things they do on a regular basis. And then I just got obsessed with seeing what they were. How could I adopt or adapt what successful and happy people did? Because my family, quite honest, wasn't that happy. Nobody made more than $30,000 a year. And I got lucky. I could have followed down that path and I didn't. So along that journey, I was able to see just that not giving up and and some things I want to share today allowed me to get some momentum in my 20s. Real estate was the place I put most of my effort in my 20s and I was blessed to do extremely well by the time I was 28, 29. I'd already acquired over a million dollars in real estate and had momentum and then I decided I wanted to teach the world what I've done and and I started writing books and doing TV shows and blessed to have multiple New York Times bestselling books and sold over a million copies of just one of my books and then go on to meet my heroes like Tony Robbins and friends with presidents and billionaires. And I don't say that to brag. I just say that most people listening right now are smarter than I was. You have advantages that I didn't have. And I'm not saying, oh, it's easy for you. What I want to share is use me as an example today on some really simple things that can get you to that next level. Even if you're making great money, you're making a half a million dollars a year, you went through school, you powered through, you got the life you wanted, but someplace is empty, someplace is sad, someplace you're kicking the can down the road saying, next year I'll be happy, next year I'll find fulfillment. Man, five, 10, 20, 30 years go by in a flash. So again, today I hope to be a reminder service, to shock you, to give you something, give you a tool to say, no, no more, today's the day I'm going to make that shift. Today's the day I'm going to say no. Today's the day maybe I'm going to say yes. So anyway, that's my quick story. Uh, My newest book is Millionaire Success Habits, and I'm blessed. I I love it. It's getting five-star reviews and killing it. It's just the the last 30 years of being an entrepreneur and a dad and life and being in shape. And how do you get it all? And and there's there's really a way. It's easier than people think. I hope I didn't digress too much. No, no, that's great. You know, it's really a fantastic book. And one of my favorite quotes in there that you have early on is that when you get money out of the way, you are allowed to be yourself. Great quote. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. You know, for me, that was an obsession because, you know, I watched my parents struggle. Money was everything. Money was the conversation at the table. Money was the conversation when, you know, my parents, they did not come to my little league games or my plays because they didn't love me. They had to work. Money was like oxygen. Like if your throat was being choked, all you would think about is oxygen. And so many people without realizing it, all they think about is the money lack of or how to create more of it. It's like we have this weird relationship with money that like capitalism has gotten a bad name. So we don't want to crave it. We don't want to be money hungry, as people say. But simultaneously, 76% of all divorces in America start because of money problems. 82% of all stress in America, and I just pulled these quotes. One was CNBC. I forget the other one, but I just pulled these quotes. 82% of stress people interviewed said that it started with money. So it's like simultaneously, we don't want to make money a part of our life. But while at the same time, we're stressed about it and worried about it. And we're paying off school loans and paying off debt. And we got the bigger house than we should have and took the two vacations. And we're just on that grind and 20 years go by. So what I said is success for me right now is I have an eight and 10 year old. I coach every little league game. I coach every softball game. I get to have a personal trainer. I get to work out every single day. 
I read a book about every eight days. I talk to a therapist. I talk to a guru because I'm not so stressed about money because of the way I set my life up. And I, yes, I feel blessed. I'm not bragging, but it did allow me to be a better version of me. I get to learn, absorb, gain knowledge. And so many people are running on the treadmill so fast that they don't get to discover who they really are. And I'm an advocate of that. I want to get people off the treadmill and get them walking up a ladder rather than putting the treadmill from six to eight and then eight to 10. You're just going faster, but you're not going anyplace. And I've discovered a couple of hacks that I think can help people. And maybe we'll get to share some of those today. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's interesting what you say, though, is that a lot of people, Dean, think that just because, you know, people are doctors or lawyers or CPAs, they're making six figures and so on, that somehow they don't have problems with money. But a lot of times what we find is that we have a nasty habit of increasing our own expenses and overhead to match our income. And then we're sort of in the same situation. And on on this show, we call that phenomenon the golden handcuff. So do you think that's true? Do you think that at the end of the day, the problem is really the same for everyone? Yes. And it all feels the same. If you're making a thousand a week and your lifestyle is 1100 or you're making five grand a week and your life is costing you 5,200 and so on all the way up the chain, it's the same amount of stress. doesn't matter what level of money comes in. And, And then there's another level of income the new wealth, right? Those of you listening right now, if you're the first generation that, you know, your parents were immigrants, like my grandparents were, so I'm one more generation away, but nobody in my family ever had money to even have that problem. But what happens is you become part of a society where maybe your parents or grandparents didn't have it, but you worked hard, you went to school, you paid the loans, you became a doctor, a lawyer, a professional, you're making the money. Now all of a sudden you have this new generation. You struggled, you were born, you have built-in empathy, you have built-in humility. You know what it was like not to have. So now you want to give it to your kids. You want to give it to your wife or give it to your husband. And as you do that, We also have to worry about we create entitlement. We create this lifestyle that we keep up with the people next to us and down the street and the people we went to school with, and we get sucked into it like a vacuum, and we're trying to manage to make sure our kids aren't spoiled, and we're trying to create new ways for them to have obstacles, and all of a sudden, where people from the outside say, oh, he's a doctor, he's making 400 grand a year, he's fine. It's like, no, you might have, I love it, it's in uh, David and Goliath, Malcolm Gladwell's book has a whole section on it, is like the first generation to create wealth has so many obstacles in raising kids, being a husband, managing the money, trying to maintain, keeping up with the Joneses, trying to impress your family just because they supported you. So there's a lot of challenges that go with that. And the sooner you can realize that you can step off that treadmill, the the quicker you can get to real wealth and real success in your life. So one of the things that I think that, you know, I really admire about what you're doing is you're taking it a step further. You know, most people write about getting wealthy, getting rich, And one of the things that actually I've been fortunate lately to think about, Dean, because, you know, I've had some success in my own businesses is, okay, well, you know, it's not just about financial freedom. It's what you do with financial freedom, right? And that's ultimately what it's all about. It's about being happy. And, you know, you strike me as a really happy guy, right? And and you're also a very busy guy. Now, are there any specific routines or habits that you can share with us that you think can help us maybe have a a good day or, and for that matter, even a good life? Love to. And everybody listening, this isn't something I made up yesterday. I am not perfect. I love to have lots of enthusiasm. I try to be happy. I try to be honest. I try to be authentic, especially being a dad. You know, kids don't do what you say. They become who you are. And I'm a better man because of my two children and I'm blessed to have them. But there's 
things that I've discovered along the way to make me a better version of me, of hacks or habits or whatever you want to call it. So one, I'm going to start here with your mornings. I have one of my mentors is Dan Sullivan. I've been a part of strategic coach for almost 10 years. And Dan always talks about it's his job to protect our confidence. And you know, if you're listening right now, you know you've never made a great decision in anything, in business, starting a new company, relationships, being a parent, when your confidence is down. And it's so easy to get our confidence tagged. You watch the news, confidence is down. You know, you, anything could spin us off for the day. And when our confidence is down, we end up playing defense in life rather than being on the offensive. So this is really specific. And then I want to get to my favorite one after this. But this is something that was a big game changer for me. And I'd encourage anybody to just adopt it or tweak it and use it in your life. I just want to keep doing things to protect my confidence. So I make smart decisions, aggressive decisions, but intelligent, aggressive decisions. So I protect my confidence in the morning doing this. This is a little routine you could steal. At night, I got this from Ariana Huffington. She's a dear friend. She started Huffington Post. At night, I put my phone on airplane mode. When I go to bed, it goes on airplane mode because here's what I know. You roll over in the morning and you check an email, you check your social media, you know, if your business is part of social media, did it get likes or not? Did I get the text? Did I get the email? Did the deal go through? Is the loan going to happen? If you roll over in the morning and you get that, that will determine the first emotion you have for the day and literally in most cases rob your confidence. Unless you get the perfect email that the deal went through, the money's in the account, the bills are paid, whatever it is, that's not the norm. So what I'd suggest is airplane mode, roll over in the morning, don't check your phone. And the first thing I do, this is just a little quick hack, is lower the bar of gratitude. We all know gratitude is like the coverall for everything, right? We know you can't be grateful and sad, grateful and depressed, but sometimes it's hard to find gratitude. But what I say is lower the bar. Like everybody listening right now, especially your group, you guys are all badasses. You've all accomplished incredible things. You've got through struggles. You said yes when most people say no. You took, the, you did the overtime. You worked late. You stayed up all night. You did all those things. But we have to sometimes lower the bar of gratitude. And just so what I think of is I'm not going to put myself in defensive mode and I want to wake up and be in a grateful mode. So what I do is Literally, I'll say something like, oh, my God, these sheets feel amazing. Oh, my God, the sun is out. Wow, I do have some really great friends. Both my kids are healthy. Like just one quick thought will literally snap my mind into a gratitude mode. Now, I wish I'd say I'd love to say I sit for 15 minutes and meditate and meditate on my gratitude. I don't. I just flood my body with like low bar gratitude just for being there. Like some days I know 150,000 people die every day and I woke up like that's enough. So I feed my soul. Then I walk downstairs, and for me, I want to feed my body. So I'll do a apple cider vinegar, a scoop of green powder, and a full lemon and a big glass of water, and I'll down it. And for me, that just feels like, okay, I fed my soul. Now I'm fueling my body, and then I go move because I know we're all busy. I get up an hour early. I'll go to the gym. I'll run the mountain. I'll take a jog. I'll do whatever. I'll just move. If I do those, I'm setting my day up for high confidence. And then when I get back, Here's the two things that I think for me, I get back, I do a morning routine with my kids. But before I start my day, the list is sitting right next to me while I'm talking to you is we have so many things we need to get done and we always make a to-do list or what I have to do today. I have to do this. I have to do that. One thing changed my life when I said I get to do it. It's rather than a to-do list. It's what do I get to do today? I hate 
conference calls with company. Like I, I'm not the technical guy. I'm the big vision. I'm creative. I'm enthusiastic. I like to sell. I love to create. And I get bogged down with details. I, I could have never been an accountant or a doctor or a lawyer. I'm just, that's not the way my brain thinks. So I used to hate all those meetings or have to meet with my accountant. And then I said, you know what? How blessed am I? I get to touch the lives of people around the world. Millions of people have read my books. This isn't, I get to do this. You get to be a doctor. You get to be a lawyer. You get to save lives, help people, stop people from complexity. Like that's what you guys get to do. You worked your asses off to have that intelligence, that knowledge, that wisdom. And when you start saying, I don't have to do this today, I get to do this today. I could be digging ditches. I could be putting roofs on in the Arizona heat at 114 degrees. I don't get, I don't have to do that. So when I think about what I get to do that day, and then I prioritize what are the most important things I need to do to take my life to that bigger future I really want. Not the treadmill stuff, not just the busy work. What's the most important thing today I need to do to advance my life to be happier, more joy, more time with my family, make more money? If I do that, and I screw it up sometimes, to be completely honest, but if I do that routine and then turn on my phone, I am on fire. Nothing can get in my way. No bad employee, no bad employer, no client, no customer. Nobody can knock me off my high. If, if something goes wrong, I will handle it with high enthusiasm and confidence and polite and authenticity compared to the complete opposite, leaving my phone on, waking up in the morning, looking at it and go, ah, oh, damn, that deal didn't go through. And then I go, ah, oh, I have to do this today. Damn it, today's going to be a busy day. That's a deflated day. Nothing good is going to happen that day. So as far as a hack that helps me to keep this enthusiasm, that's my morning routine. You know, it's interesting because you said you don't actually meditate, but in a way, this is your meditation, right? It is. It's a type of uh, mindfulness. And, you know, for me, I don't actually meditate because my kids, frankly, well, they wake up so early, you know, they're eight, four and two, and they ultimately beat, beat me to the punch every time. But one of the things that I do when I wake up, you know, the first thing and, and they pile into bed, I just really try to enjoy the moment. And for me, that is a type of meditation. Of course it is. And how does that set your day up when you're right. enjoying that moment of kids climbing all over you? If you can feel that, that just triggers your brain to be ready for the day. I'm sure that is your meditation. Yeah. And this kind of thinking is really important for people, you know, my listeners, you know, we're very hardworking and high paid professionals. You know, life just gets in the way and it's tough, you know, to be, you know, just in the moment and thinking about just being alive. And I think that's what you mean when you talk about gratitude. It's really about, you know, the way I take that is just stopping for a moment and appreciating everything around you and just a sense of being alive now, not 10 minutes from now, not a week from now or a year from now. Another thing that you talk about in your book, which I think was a very useful thing to do, I mean, your perspective on goal setting and the specific strategy that you use, I think you talked about with Dan Sullivan. I'd love to hear a little bit about that. No, oh, I'd love to share that. I've shared this a lot, but it's so powerful and it was so important in my life. You know, if you ever watched the old cartoon, The Roadrunner, in The Roadrunner, there's a Tasmanian devil. We saw it as a kid and basically he was the crazy one and he spun so fast when he ran, that there was always a dust cloud around him. And I think in today's world, when we talk about goals, 
we have such a dust cloud around us with social media and our phones in our pocket and we're in constant contact, constant communication, and we have our busy lives and we're trying to make it to the dance recital and to make it to the baseball game and then be at the parent-teacher's conference while you're trying to advance your business and talking to your coworkers or your employees or employees. I mean, we're just so busy and someone says, hey, take the time and set goals. It's like, goals? I just want to make it through today alive, right? Right. And and here's what I know. The most successful people I know, the people that I obsess on, follow, and learn from are not just wealthy. They're at peace. They found a level of happiness, enthusiasm. They're squeezing the juice out of life. And one of the biggest things they have is they have vision. They have a vision. They have clarity on where their life is going. And to prove this to you that most of us don't is literally over the next week, and I've asked thousands of people, if you stop your friends and just say, hey, you know, I got to ask you something really silly. What don't you want out of life? Like, what would you change? What don't you like? People will ramble off like nonstop. Most everybody will go, oh man, I, I don't like the way the loans I have on my school that I'm still paying off. I don't, my wife doesn't understand how hard I work or my husband doesn't. And my kids are this, my coworkers are this, my boss, my employers, you'll ramble it off. And what I say is stop them dead center in the middle. Go, you know, okay, stop, stop, stop. Just do me a favor. What is it that you do want out of life? Most people, nine out of 10, I've done this with thousands of people, will look at you and go, wow, really good question. Or let me think about that. Or I don't know. So that means is that we're going, we're all Ferraris going 100 miles an hour with no GPS on. We're just avoiding the potholes, but we don't know where we're actually driving our car to. And I want to tell you a story that really made an impact on me. And I don't know if you ever heard me say it, but it's worth repeating a dear friend of mine, him and about five dads, they took about 20, 17 to 20 year old boys whitewater rafting through their church up in Colorado. And they get there and it had rained for two weeks. And the rapids, and I guess rapids are scored between zero and five, and the rapids were four and fives. Like all the dads were just a nervous wreck. Like, oh God, we got all, we're responsible for all these kids. Parents are going to kill us. And the guide came out and he said, dads, relax. Kids get in the boats. He said, listen, I've been a guide for 30 years. And he said, you see this finger? And he held up his finger, a pointing finger. And he says, this is the positive point. He said, whenever I point my finger, you boys just paddle your guts out in the direction of which I point. Don't look any other place. Just paddle to the clearing. He said, here's what I know in all my years. If I point to the rock that can flip us over, if I point to the down tree, if I point to the high rapid to avoid you guys will all take a look at where we're not supposed to be and we will run directly into it every time. So I will never point at the hazard. I'm always pointing on where we want to go. What a great metaphor for life. So many of us are running around pointing at what we don't want. I don't want to work this long. I don't want to be this type of disconnected dad. I don't want to feel disconnected from my wife or my husband. I don't want this kind of pay. I don't want, I don't want, but when you ask what direction are you pointing your ship that you want to go, they don't know. We're just avoiding the rocks. So here's something that has transformed my life. I know the most successful and happy people I know when I ask them what they want, they can tell you with a definitive clarity where I'm going. This is where life is going. This is where my business is going. This is the dad I'm going to be, the husband, the wife I'm going to be, the leader I'm going to be. They know it. And I'm going to encourage every single person listening right now, get damn clear on where it is you want to go. Because remember this, this is a saying from one of my mentors, yes, got you out of Egypt. No, will take you to the promised land. 
Meaning you guys are the ones that said yes to more schooling, yes to the bills, <clears throat> yes to the hard work, yes to the late nights. All those yeses got you here, but what will take you to that level of joy, abundance, and wealth you want will be no. What's it Warren Buffett says? I say no to everything. Right. Everything is a no, and a couple of things a year sneak through. So here's how you get clarity, at least for me. Picturing the dust cloud around you, hard to see. Extract yourself from that dust cloud. And pretend it's one year from today, and we're back on this podcast, and it is the best year of your life. I mean, you look in the mirror, and you just feel unbelievable. You walk in a room, and your friends don't know if you got a haircut, you went and tanned, you're working out, but you just glow when you walk in the room. You light up the room. Your husband looks at you and is like, damn, or your wife looks at you like, that's my man. Like You're making the money you want to make. You're working the hours you want to work. You're the father or mother you want to be. You're the husband or wife or boyfriend or girlfriend that you want to be. Write those down. Just It's a year from now. It's perfect. No restrictions. Don't think what could go wrong or I got them. Just start writing down. It's a year from now. It's the best year of your life and just start writing things down. After you write that down, that's your vision. That's where you want to go. Circle the most important ones. That's your bigger future. That's your next level of life. That's where your ship should be pointing. That's where your car should be racing to. That's where your GPS should be scheduled into. And then all of a sudden, when people say they're overwhelmed, they don't have time. No, you're just not clear. You're saying yes to too much crap. When you know where you want to go, and this is the most successful people in the world do this, you start saying no to so many things. No, I, I shouldn't do that because it's not serving my bigger future. No, I'm not going to be partners with you because we don't have the same core values as family men or businessmen. No, I'm not going to take on that extra loan right now. No, I'm not going to get the bigger house right now because my vision is to start my own practice. I don't want to keep up with the Joneses. No, I don't need that expensive country club membership. What, to stand around and tell everybody I'm a part of the biggest country club? Who gives a shit? It doesn't give me any value. Like all of a sudden when you know where you're going, no becomes so damn easy and all of a sudden time opens up. Health opens up, parenting, husband, wife, you get more time for the things that really matter in your life. So part of understanding that of where you want to go, as you point out in your book, answering the question, why? So I had the pleasure of speaking with Robert Kiyosaki a few months ago, obviously another very successful guy. You know, he's salty, you know, he has a different style, but man, he is content. And, you know, he told me that right now, the thing that's different in his life is that he's really not driven by profits anymore. You know, he's got all the money he ever wants, you know, what else are you going to do with, you know, much more money than he has? But what he's really driven for, you know, at 70 years old is by what he calls mission. And his mission is for spreading financial education. I think it's important that he used the word mission. And that word is very powerful to me because I equate it with sort of what Abraham Maslow and the hierarchy of needs would call, you know, self-actualization part of our life. And I don't think you have to be Robert Kiyosaki and have that kind of wealth to have that vision. And I think that's what you're alluding to. Is that fair? Yeah, I am for sure. Because the first step is to know where you want to go, right? I mean, it just is. If you don't know where you want to go, you'll run in circles for years, decades. But then once you know the direction you want to go, is anchor it in with a deep, heartfelt why the hell you want it, right? I know the why is a buzzword right now or finding your purpose or, or who you're really meant to be. But a simple way for me is to really just dig into your heart. For me, I'll just tell you personally, 
I've worked hard since I was a kid. I didn't really know why until I dug in probably about 10 years ago and just kept asking myself, well, why do you work so hard? Why do you want to make more money? Why do you want to retire your parents? Why, why, why? And when I really dug in and I stopped thinking with my head, I stopped thinking what society told me what I was doing or, or just the ego of showing everybody that I could do it. When I got past all that and I landed in my heart, I realized I didn't want to go backwards. I was broke as a kid. I had a lot of days with no lunch money. I never want to go back there. That was a heartfelt, like pulled on my heartstrings. Secondly, I want to be able to give my kids choices. I don't want to raise entitled brats, but I want them to have different choices than I had. But lastly, what I dug into my why is I want to be in control of my life. I want to dress the way I want, act the way I want, talk the way I want. I want to coach Little League when I want, vacation when I want. And I say that it was deeper for me because as a kid, when your parents are married nine times and you move 20 times and you get evicted from places because you don't have money, you're never in control. You get evicted from the house you like. You had new step-grandparents, a new step-dad, it's gone. New step-mom, it's gone. Step-brothers, step-sisters, it's gone. My whole childhood felt out of control. And when I really dug into my heart, why I work so hard is because I want to be in control. Not a control freak. Just don't want anybody to tell me how my life is going to run. So when I know where I want to go, I know where I want to go as a dad, as a human, as a person, as an entrepreneur, as a philanthropist. Like when I know where I want to go, when I attach the fact that I'm doing this because I don't want to go backwards, I want my kids to have options in their life and I want to be in control to do what I want when I want, that why attached to the clarity of where I want to go to me is the biggest secret to success in the history of the world. Those of you listening today, there's all the great interviews you've done. There's a million great trainers and educators and people out there. Take from them what serves you. But if I could tell you the two biggest impacts on my life is knowing clearly where I want to go and knowing clearly why the hell I want it. And when you know from your heart, you'll fight and kick and knock down doors and climb through obstacles to make it happen. You had one little trick there that I thought would be useful. I mean, just to help people with that why question. In your book, you talk about the seven layers. Can you go over that briefly? Yeah, yeah. That was the game changer for me. That's how I found my why. I hired a consultant to come in for a day and help me help my students get more engagement. I know my education is the best on the planet, but I got to get people to use it, right? Uh, All the knowledge in the world without (laughs) action is pointless. And he said to me, have you ever gone through the seven levels deep? And I said, no, but if it'll help my students, give it to me. And he said, no, I need you to go through it, Dean. And basically the way I came up with those three answers I just rambled off to you guys was he asked me the same questions seven times. Well, the same way seven times. He basically said, why would you pay me $10,000 for a half a day consulting? And I started off with, in my head, I said, you know, I want to get my students more engagement. And then he said, okay, I understand. So why do you want to get your students more engagement? And I remember saying something like, I want to leave a legacy. I want to set a new bar for my industry and have people step up or step out. He said, that's great. And then he asked, he repeated, why do you want to create a legacy and have this industry step up? And all the answers, the first four or five answers I gave were from my head and they were good answers. But if you ask the previous answer as a question seven times, again, it's in my book, it's magical. When you get to about the fifth or sixth question, you feel your physiology change. You feel your emotions change and you feel that it's not coming from your head anymore and you're in your heart. And it was the first time I discovered about my kids and want to give them choices, not wanting to go backwards and discovered that I want control of my life. And when it hit me, it just anchored in why the hell I worked so hard up until this point. And now I actually had the definition of why I work so hard. And it's something I think about on a regular basis. 
You know, that why question is interesting too, Dean, because I was thinking about this when you were talking, that in some regards, the why question sometimes might actually help you to understand that what you think you want, you don't actually want. You're so right. So an example of that, actually, you know, from my personal experience, you know, I started out as a brain surgeon, as a neurosurgeon, and I was two years into it and, you know, I was miserable because frankly, I mean, I loved the idea of the neurosurgery and the science and stuff, but I didn't like the lifestyle. I was up all night. Well, I didn't have a lifestyle or a life. And when I asked myself why I was doing it, over and over, it just really came down to, well, it was just my ego. I wanted to be called a neurosurgeon. I had a giant ego and I wanted to be at the top of the food chain. I wanted everybody to say, wow, you're a brain surgeon. That's so cool. Right. And boy, when I just figured that out, that that was really my only purpose for doing it at the end of the day, it was a huge relief because I was able to just say to myself, you know, you're never going to be happy if you follow this. And thinking that way changed everything for me. And I think that's really important as an exercise. How awesome is that you recognize that at this phase of your life, not when you're 87 years old. Right. right? I'm so happy for you that you acknowledge that and you took action with it. A lot of people acknowledge it and then they live with that knowing but afraid to make a move. So, Dean, this is really great stuff. And the latest book is called Millionaire Success Habits. And everyone out there should definitely pick up a copy. I mean, listen, this is stuff that's really what matters. We talk about wealth on this show, but really, you know, a big part of wealth is actually being happy. So, Dean, tell us how we can learn more about you and your work. You actually can get, for your listeners, you can get a free copy. It's a hardcover. It's on Amazon for 19 bucks. It's five-star review. I feel blessed. It's killing it right now. But uh, we set up a link at deansfreebook.com. You can get the hardcover for free. I just asked you to cover the shipping and handling, and, and it's truly a magical book. And I know it says millionaire success habits because the fact of the matter is being transparent. I sell more copies with a title like that, but it really should be life success habits because it doesn't matter what area of your life you want to improve. It's just 35 years of my life and study and being blessed to be friends with billionaires and world leaders and presidents and just discovering the habits that can allow you to go to that level of life that we crave. So uh, I appreciate it. This was a great interview. I hope I served your audience well, and I admire what you do. Keep up the good work. It's something special to learn and go through the process of life, but there's a whole nother level when you decide to give that knowledge back to people. So keep up the good work. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, Dean. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Dean Graziosi. He is inspiring, isn't he? He is also one of the most enlightened and self-aware people I've ever met. And you really need to pick up this book, Millionaire Success Habits. That is definitely your call to action this week. You know, I don't really read books in this genre typically, but this one is really exceptional. And if you liked what you heard on the show today, you're going to want to pick up this book because you're going to love it. After you read it, I'd love to hear from you and what you got out of it. Well, that's it for me today. This is Buck Joffrey with Wealth Formula Podcast signing off. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast. Visit us on the web at wealthformula.com. The information contained in this podcast are opinions, not fact. As always, consult your own financial team before making any investment. See you next time. Self-storage is a necessary evil. It's where you keep your stuff and forget about it. No wonder this stuff is so profitable and recession-resistant. The Wealth Formula community, well, we've benefited from that. We've made lots of money in this space with Reliant Real Estate, one of the largest self-storage companies in the country. 
with an average investor internal rate of return of almost 34%, with hold times just over three and a half years, these guys know what the meaning of velocity of money is. If you're an accredited investor, make sure to check out what they're up to right now at ReliantFund4.com. Again, that's ReliantFund4.com. Buck Joffrey here from Sapio with Buck Joffrey. Aging might become reversible over the next 10 to 20 years. It's already being done in lab animals, so it's just a matter of time. Our challenge? To be healthy enough for when that time comes. As a former scientist and surgeon myself, my goal is to figure out how to do that and to share it with you. I wrote a book called Living Longer for Busy People that you can download for free at sapiopodcast.com. You'll be amazed at just how a few daily adjustments can add years of a healthy life for you. Again, download it for free, sapiopodcast.com.